and welcome to episode 85 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that pulls down their masks to sneeze, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott and I'm joined by the wandering troubadour herself, Emma. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Pretty busy, but okay. Unfortunately, played zero Magic this week, so not a lot <laughs> to cover on that front, unfortunately. But yep. in terms of content, I've been rattling through last the Neon Dynasty stuff because we've got new Capenna stuff coming now, so, you know, yeah. the train never stops, right? So... <laughs> Over at TCG Player this week, I have a piece going up about the current happenings with Pauper, uh, with some other odds and ends about Kamigawa Unlimited. Uh, also, what I'd like to see in New Capenna, because obviously there's a new set coming next month. I also did a recording for the Humans of Magic podcast, which is an excellent series that um, interviews magic players and personalities, and it's less about the magic, but more about the people themselves. Mm. Um, my episode isn't live yet, but I recommend checking it out, because there's just some really interesting uh, episodes with some really interesting characters. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm still going through Octopath Traveler when I do have the downtime. I'm at that point where I've... So, when it comes to RPGs, I love the grinding aspect. I love just spending, like, two to three hours and just, like, levelling up and stuff. While it's not essential, like, I don't feel like I need to, but I want to. But I just enjoy having those two to three hours just to, like, get up some levels. And, you know, I'm one of those weirdos that just enjoys being maxing my characters and just spending a few hours doing that. So that's what I'm doing at the minute, because it will make my life easier and, like, when I decide to get back into the story. Um, How about you? What have you been up to? Yeah, I'm all right. In terms of content this week, my article is all about clones. So I go into, like, different types of clone effects, how they play in Commander, and how to find the right one for your deck. So there's a couple of handy uh, tools and utilities in there. If you want to check that out, that's live on Card Kingdom, so go check that out after the show. Also, in terms of magic, about half an hour before recording, I picked up the last of my Urza Sagas from a friend of mine. So I finally have Affinity built. It is actually built. It is great. I'm playing the build with Reality Heist that also has... The one console of Dreadnought to tutor up with Urza Saga, which is Otschevskis. It's so good. You haven't lived until you have equipped an Ornithopter with Cranial Plating. Use that to crew a console of Dreadnought and then equip the Cranial Plating to a console of Dreadnought and a swung for like 15. There's no better feeling. Sick. <laughs> yeah. But outside of content stuff and magic stuff, Elden Ring. Oh, Elden Ring. Here's a game. <laughs> it is here. It has been years in waiting. I finally have it. It is finally here. The wait is over. I was so busy this week, though, with other projects and work stuff that I, I just didn't have a day to myself to play it yet. But I'm already, at this point, I wrote down last night uh, on the show notes, by the way, that I was more than 20 hours in. I'm now mm. more than 25 hours in. So uh, if you hear me click clacking on my keyboard now, that's me updating the show notes. Uh, <laughs> I got another five hours in between last night and now. Yeah. So... <laughs> The game itself is immense, like really, really, really huge. I think I'm in maybe the second area of God knows how many. I've killed like two quote unquote bosses so far. You know, there there are like enemies that show up health bars at the bottom of the screen from time to time, or like you'll see them in like smaller dungeons and stuff, but they're not full on bosses. They're just like, you know, hard enemies or mini bosses or whatever. So there's so, so much there. It is really, really smooth to play. I'm playing on PS4. So like it's like the worst version, quote unquote, in terms mm. of like how it looks and plays and stuff. And it feels pretty good, to be honest. Like it's quite smooth. There's like a little bit of delay in like loading some textures when you first load up the game or whatever. But that's just down to the PS4 being the PS4, you know. So I have to say though, the frustration levels with this are much lower than like any other Souls game. 
Because the thing is, if you get stuck at a boss or something, you can just go somewhere else. It's an open world game. There was a point where I was stuck at a boss. I, I tried to kill them like 15 times. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a break and I'm just going to go wander this way. What's at the top of that cliff over there? And that felt great. You know the way sometimes you'll take a break and then like you come back and you'll get it on like the second try or something, yeah. which I did. But it's nice to not have to walk away from the game itself because you're just stuck at a brick wall. So that's real go. Cool. It's basically everything I wished Skyrim was. And it has everything that I wish every other Souls game had. So, like, you have a dedicated jump button. You can just hop <gasps> up ledges. Get out. Like, it's great. Yeah. You also have, like, Spectral Steed, where you can, like, just nice. immediately call it. And then there's Mounted Combat, which is so cool. It's really hard, but it's really cool. I heard there was fast travel as well. There is fast travel between, quote-unquote, bonfires. Uh, yeah. But they're, like, sites of grace or whatever they're called. Um, they're bonfires, let's be honest. Yeah, basically. So, I, I, at this point, I honestly don't think it's too early anymore to say that this might actually be my favourite Souls game wow. ever. Full stop. And I have over 3,000 hours. I've said this before. <laughs> uh, to my detriment, I've over 3,000 hours in the Soulsborne series and I'm still not good. Like, uh, so, to have that much uh, time and experience with all the other games and then to say this after like 20, 25 hours, says a lot, I think. Mm. But, yo, Elden Ring. I really oh, want to yeah. play it, but I just know I can't commit the time to it because it's so big. Yeah. It's not like your, your t- traditional Souls games where it's, it's as you were saying, it's they're quite linear, whereas this is just like, there's so yeah. much you can do. I'm just like, yeah. I wish I wasn't an adult. This is one of the first games I wish I just wasn't an adult and had adult commitments. I could just be that, that teenager that can be locked in their room for the weekend and just, you know, live off pizza and play this. Yeah. To crazy. give it an idea of the scale of this game, in terms of like time to complete or whatever, I think it was a reviewer for IGN pulled an 80 hour week in order to just get the story done mm. in order to review the game. And like, that's that's absurd. <laughs> but yes. Getting paid uh, to play you, uh, Elden Ring though. Yeah. Must be nice. But at the same time, if, if you're paid to play Elden Ring, that means you're working an 80 hour week, which yeah, is not really true. very, it's not very cash money, let's be real. Nope. You know, but... Yes, if you haven't played it, play it. Just, you know, be willing to maybe lose the next month of your life to it, potentially. Yeah. Maybe more, who knows? The whole rest of your life. <laughs> All right, Emma, before we hop on, have we got any housekeeping? So we don't have any housekeeping in terms of, like, new patrons or anything like that. Mm-hmm. There is housekeeping from me, I guess. This is weird. Mm-hmm. So for those who may have read on my Twitter earlier this week, I'm currently in the process of packing for a long overdue holiday to America. It's one of the reasons why I've been able to play much magic this week, because I've been rustling up trying to get everything sorted before the trip. Mm-hmm. I've been planning to go on this holiday since last October, which is like five months ago. So that just gives you an idea of like how up in the yeah. air it's been. Thanks to COVID and the numerous delays, it's been pushed back out of my control. I haven't been able to go out until now, so I fly out on the 12th, which is the Saturday coming, and I'm back on the, I think it's the 5th of April, so it's almost a month. I'll be going away with family, because a lot of my family are from America, so we're going to fly back to North Carolina and and Charlotte, and then I'm going to be paying a visit to Virginia to meet up with some of the magic Twitter folk that I've never met before in person, Mm. which is quite exciting. I'm really excited because it'd be nice to actually have a holiday and have some time away. Mm. Honestly, it feels like I can relax for the first time since the pandemic began. However, this does mean I won't be here for the podcast for the next <gasps> four episodes. I think we, we counted it at. But mm-hmm. the podcast will be going weekly. Scott will still be here. Um, we have a yeah, bunch of I'll guests. Just, I'll just be talking nonstop. No, no, no. Yeah, It'll be me, me about, and myself. I'm, you can I'll talk rant about for, for like 40 weeks, minutes a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
Yeah, so we've got a bunch of people lined up as guests to replace me for that mm-hmm. month, so that's quite exciting. I'll be lurking around in the BMCast Discord to keep in touch and, you know, log my travels and what I've been up to. Mm. Um, and folks are welcome to DM me on Twitter if they want to get in touch as well. Um, but mostly yeah. I'll be off the grid to recalibrate and just try to have a holiday for the first time in two and a half years. So, quite yeah, excited. You need it. Yeah. As for the guests... Uh, I won't be saying who they are, but I will give a couple of little hints, right? So there will be four different guests, one different guest each week. None of them will be Angelo or Frankie, for that matter. None of them will be Emma either, just Just, just in in case case anyone decides to try and make that guess. Someone wants to 4D chess us. (laughs) And at least one of them will be talking about aspects of magic outside of just playing the game itself. So I know that's not a whole lot to go by, but feel free to send the predictions over to either myself or to BMcast Twitter. Don't send yeah. it to Emma. Let her have her I mean, holiday. you can do it. I'm not going to help. <laughs> I'm not going to say yes or no. If you enjoy the BMcast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and deck lists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. Visit patreon.com forward slash the BMcast to join today. There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great. You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMcast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. Alright, so... It's my turn again this week for Card of the Week, I think. To be honest, we kind of just lost track at this point. I think we're just kind of going like, whoever has a card, it's this turn. Do you after this week? You might be doing it for a while, so... This is true, actually. Yeah, good point. Mm. (laughs) So, my Card of the Week this week is from the Red-Green Precon from Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. It is a new aura called Unquenchable Fury. So I was hit by this last night in a game... It is two and a red for an aura, and it reads, Enchanted creature has, whenever this creature attacks, it deals X damage to defending player where X is the number of cards in their hand. And when Unquenchable Fury is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, return it to your hand. So this could deal a lot of damage over just a couple of attacks. It's essentially unblockable damage as well, because you don't have to connect in order for it to happen. You just have to attack the player. And it proportionately increases damage roughly speaking, based on how much advantage an opponent has. So if an opponent has already played out a bunch of stuff and like they're close to top decking or whatever, it's not going to do a whole lot. But if there's someone there with a lot of resources still in hand and they have a lot of options still available, it's going to do more damage, which is pretty cool. What I really like about this is Rancor's graveyard ability is essentially on this. When the creature dies and this goes into the bin, you return it to your hand. So you can use it repeatedly. And that's one of the one of the good things about this for like Voltron decks and that kind of thing because an awful lot of the time I personally don't normally like running aura decks and stuff because if my creature's removed, I get wrecked. Uh, like I'm down a large number of cards. I much prefer equipment for that kind of thing because you know the equipment sticks around and you can re-equip it. Whereas this, it, it mitigates some of the downside. So yeah, if if you're in red and you have a Voltron deck, I would. Definitely consider this, especially if you are running other things that might be payoffs for auras and stuff like, say, like your ethereal armors and that kind of thing, you know. It's just nice to see the Rancor effect on 
other auras to be honest it's a really cool effect mm. so you see it more often I, I know it's a bit frustrating yeah. I guess but it's just a cool design it allows replayability yeah I think it's a good spot to put it into commander decks and stuff because yes it can be a little bit frustrating in like constructive formats where you kill the threat but then the next thing that comes down is also the threat and it yeah. just keeps going but in commander it's much less so it, it just helps you not get blown out as much which is kind of nice okay so we're going to talk about a couple of things this episode because well we're actually first of all recording this on monday because emma was busy packing yesterday so we weren't able to do it on the usual recording on sunday but also it happened to be very good timing because shock surprise there was a pauper banned and restricted announcement so mm. emma tell us tell us what's after happening so We've been a bit busy with, you know, Neon Dynasty's out and we just want to look at things, you know, since we banned Neo Bonders Ornament and we banned Atog and uh, Prophetic Prism. We kind of wanted to check back and if you ever read our first Band Restricted article, we said we would look at ne- like Neon Dynasty after a few weeks and re- like evaluate things from there. And mm. with the data that we've been provided from Wizards of the Coast and just lots and lots of discussion, as you know, the poor Format panel have decided to ban and unban some cards. So the unsurprising one is uh, Galvanic Relay, which is one from mm. Modern Horizons 2, which is one of the cards that has really propelled Storm. And there is a good case that it should have been banned like a long time ago, but with the printing of Experimental Synthesizer and deadly, that combination with Deadly Dispute has just really put it out of control. Yeah. And it's clear that a lot of people are playing Storm at the moment in the Magic Online leagues and in the challenges, and people are just not enjoying it, right? It's not a fun deck to play against. I will say we are not looking to outright ban Storm because we don't believe we should just completely kill sort of archetypes because if you kill archetypes, you don't, you're not going to have like a fair meta game. You're not going to have a broad meta game. So we decided to power it down by banning relay. You can still play storm. Yeah. You've got a cycling storm, which is still fine, and it's still pretty fun. Like we've both played it before, and we've really enjoyed it. Agree. And the next one we decided to ban was Disciple of the Vault, which perhaps is a little surprising for people because I think they're expecting Deadly Dispute instead. But off mm. the back of the ban of Atog and Infinity having that combo element, this still ha- provides that right. Basically, yeah. And we had a lot of back and forth, like, should we ban Deadly Disputes? It should be banned Disciple of the Vault. And I think we just landed on Disciple of the Vault just because it still propels that combo aspect that is not quite healthy. Yeah. Affinity's still doing really, really well. Once again, you know, banning this doesn't kill Affinity. It just makes it more aggressive. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more combat-focused. Again, we don't believe in banning archetypes and decks outright. You still need to power it down, right? And Disciple yeah. of the Vault just provides that sort of combo that it's just not healthy, it's it's still prominent, even off the ban of ATOG, so we, we felt like we had to address it. When you look at bans, what do you unban? And we kind of settled on Expedition Map as the one to unban, purely because mm. even before the poor Performat panel, I always thought Expedition Map was the incorrect card to ban out of Tron, because you have crop yeah. rotation, right? So a lot of Tron decks just play crop rotation instead. So as we ban Prophetic Prism and Bonders Ornament, we just thought, Maybe we should just give Tron a little shot in the arm. Like, it's not going to make Tron fight colour again because mm-hmm. you, you can't do that now because we banned both the two like big like mana artifacts in that department. Um, but it allows Tron to be non-green. So it, it allows yeah. like mono-blue Tron to exist. You can run Expedition Map. You can run uh, Mirror Shell Crab. You can run your Trinket Mage to, you know, to get the yeah. Expedition Map. And you can run your Condescends and stuff like that. Um, it allows Tron to be two to three color up, being too obnoxious, and it also supports mm-hmm. the Fangren 
uh, package as well, which you see in Mono Green at the moment. It seems a fine card to unban because it's not going to give that five colour option. Um, so we think this is a safe mm -hmm. one because Bonda's Ornament and Prophetic Prism were the two problem cards in the archetype. So this was a pretty safe yeah. unban. Bolster's Tron in a way, but not in the not in the way that we've known previously. Yeah. Personally, I think this is all very fair. Like when I saw that Galvanic Relay wasn't banned when they were banning other stuff before, I was like, that's going to be a problem. Like that's that's going to that's going to cause issues. That you'd be surprised how powerful of a catch-up mechanic Galvanic Relay is by itself. Yeah. Uh, because like if you just fail to go off, you're just like, well, I'll just do it again next turn, I guess. Yeah, you with know, the so. with the printing synthesizer, it just kind of pushed it a little too closer to what we would like. And then you've got Deadly mm. Dispute as well, which is just insane value. Those two cards together are very, very powerful. And then you've got Relay to do all of it, all of it again. Um, we did talk about, you know, Moon Circuit Hacker. That was a problem that we thought that could be an issue in like Blue Blaze mm. decks when that got previewed. But it seems that's doing fine, but not. It's like it's okay, it's playable, but it's not format warping. And mm. interestingly, we discovered that Pauper's become quite quick. Like you've seen Stompy won a few yeah. challenges. You won 17 Forest Dot deck win a couple of challenges, which is great. <laughs> Somebody good sign yes. of a good meta game. So that's kind of pushed Monarch out in a way because the decks are too Monarch's too slow to catch up with it. So it'll be interesting mm. to see what happens with these bands because obviously Storm was very very quick. Affinity is typically yeah. quite quick as well. Would that push Monarch back in? We don't know, but we, we're very confident with the bands. We're very happy with the bands, and obviously we'll keep an eye on everything mm. as it unfolds. Um, I recommend yeah. reading up the band and restricted net announcement that has gone up because that goes into massive detail and everything we thought about and the timeline and so forth. Yeah, yeah, and. On Disciples of Vault, I kind of like this myself. Like, I, I like Affinity. I personally think Affinity is still a little too good, so Disciple is a good call. Because looking at Deadly Dispute as an option, like you were saying, I always never really saw the logic in it. It's like, okay, like, it's just a Saka artifact draw too. The fact that it makes a treasure isn't what's pushing it over the edge at all. It doesn't make sense. Like, it can easily be replaced by something else. You know, it's already running the, the what's called the Reckoner... Um, you got Reckoner's Bargain as well, which is one that gains life yeah. instead. Yeah, which is, like, not the same, but it's very close. Mm. So you'd have to keep banning a string of cards like that rather yeah. than just going, how about this single one-drop that's just a pain, you know? So, yeah, it, 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 perf it makes perfect sense. And Expedition Map... Like I said, anything that you unban that I can search for with the Trinket Mage, I'm just happy about, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but it's like when we when we ban like Bonders on it and Prophetic Prism to begin with, we don't want to kill Tron. We don't want to kill Dex. I'll, I'll reiterate yeah. that to the point. Unless it's like incredibly unhealthy that it draws people, it removes people from wanting to play yeah. ball, but we will not want it to kill Dex outright. Yeah. But with, with since banning Bonders Ornament and um, Prophetic Prism, it's broken Tron into different colours. Like instead of being rainbow, yeah. it's broken up into two to three colours. And Expedition Map just helps that plan. Um, you can play like Simictron now. You can play Mono Blue Tron, as I mentioned. You, you got this additional support without needing to rely on green for quad rotation. Yeah, for sure. What are you looking forward to playing in the format? Obviously, you're going to be away and busy. Yes. But like, if you had the opportunity to play, what would you play in Pauper now? So what I've been enjoying is the Jeskai Midrange deck, the Cleansing Wildfire mm. deck, like midrange control deck. I think that's quite fun. I admit like the artifact lands are a bit, you know, they're a bit sus, let's be honest, because they are quite good. But I enjoyed the strategy. Um, and I'd be tempted to sleep up Bogles again. Because yeah. Bogles has been doing quite well at the minute. And I, I enjoy being aggressive. So if I'm, if mm. I'm looking to like 
win a pauper challenge like competitively speaking i would just take like the fair one of the fairy decks i think they have been a really good spot post ban um, yeah, they've got a sense. decent Monarch matchup as well and you can see Monarch coming back a bit because I think the format will slow down mm. so yeah I, I, if I was looking to win an event like competitively speaking I'd just take blue I'd be red fairies or blue black fairies yeah reasonable alright so moving on from the popper being or announcement we're just going to chat about one or two other things that have occurred in the past week or so uh, the main thing that we saw was New Capenna is Already Yay. being previewed. Oh my god. So, in the show notes, we're going to link to the Wizards of the Coast New Capenna landing article, but we're just going to touch on very quickly a couple of things that were announced on the. Was it Daily MTG? Was the. Yeah, it was like the stream a. Or? It was the Daily MTG thing. And I, honestly, I think it came about because there were some leaks. I don't think it would have happened otherwise. Um, there were some Maybe. leaks about packaging art and stuff on Reddit. So, I think they just kind of took the initiative and just got some got Blake in a in a in an office space and just talked about Ikapenna mm-hmm. for like twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah. So the triome cycle is being completed. Hooray. So this is to no surprise to anybody, really. Like if you were to put money on it, this would have been probably the safest bet in the last God knows how long. They're coming in three versions. There's the standard version, there's the borderless version, which is like a full art version, but it's a different version from the standard version. It's a different art from the standard version. And then there's the showcase version, which is a little more like Art Deco kind of style. That's cool. Now, the, the big question that's popping up in my mind about these is that these have cycling. Are they going to be the only things with cycling in this set? Because normally they don't do that. They don't no. normally just go like, here's a here's a cycle of cards in this set, and then that's the only time that you see this one mechanic. Normally that's something that you would see in like Modern Horizons or something, where it's like, oh, this one card or cycle has this one mechanic. Normally it's much more of a baked-in thing across the whole set, so... More cycling goodies, maybe. Hopefully, well, each so New Capenna's got is about five, like five mafia slash demon families all fighting for mm. something in New Capenna, and each of the families has their own mechanic or keyword. So mm. it wouldn't be surprising to see cycling as one of those within the five, and um, maybe yeah. just the tie into triomes a little bit. The fact that they repro- that they're in the set is great. It's also great that they're not called triomes. Like it's proof that Watsy can break away from the wording norms and yeah. not call them triomes. Um, which suggests mm-hmm. to me that we could see other cycles of different names, but still be the same thing, if that makes sense, which is good. Yeah. It means they're not limiting on flavor anymore, which is encouraging to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And they're going to be stupidly expensive because everyone wants them for Commander and Modern and Pioneer and stuff. So yeah. grab them. What, if you open them, just keep them. Just yeah, that's that's going to be my advice too. Well, yeah. if you're going to use them, keep them. Yeah. 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 Uh, we also saw another card, Broker's Ascendancy. Um, which is a banned card. Ascendancies are back by the looks of it, yes. And there's a standard version and a showcase version. Now, the showcase version is uh, like a cubism kind of job. It's uh, it's pretty cool. It's it's not normally my, my, my bag or my cup of tea, but like it does look very, very cool. And I do really appreciate what they've been doing recently in particular with different art styles and stuff that have like occurred throughout history and how they're touching on all of them like the the Japanese woodblock yeah. full art basics there's uh, the cubism ones here there was uh, even more modern based stuff like in the alt arts for the triumphs back in Akoria yeah. that was very much like a more modern like cell shaded almost style I really love that they're doing this because it's not only just sort of fitting flavor wise but it can get people really into 
like the the art side of things as well because as somebody who studied art history in school and hated it and then grew up <laughs> afterwards and was like I was an idiot art history is actually fantastic and really yeah, interesting cool. yeah and now looking back on everything and being able to see all of this stuff in magic as well while being tied into something that's being released in present day it's just really cool it's it's a really cool connect and i really like seeing it for more than just the fact that we're getting sweet alt art versions of stuff you know yeah because a lot of the art deco stuff and cubism stuff tends to be high contrast stuff as well so you're going to get some Mm. really striking art in in, in the upcoming set and i'm really excited to see it to be honest it's just it's just nice to go like i I admit it it, to me it felt a little much just because we went from neon dynasty which is like this hyper futuristic sort of cyberpunky set and then we're going into art deco which is what like 1920s 1930s sort of feel art style which is a bit more classic it's a bit more but it's still futuristic at the same time right it's just a different kind of futurism Mm. to an extent so going from that contrast to another is a quite a lot from one set to another that makes sense that contrast can be a lot to process um but i'm quite excited for it um i'm going to be referencing a lot of bioshock in the next few months for sure and speaking of, there's there's full art basics that are in that same kind of style. There's two different versions for each one. Uh, some of them look really, really cool. In fact, one of the mountains, uh, I believe someone said this on Twitter recently, one of the mountains is painted by an artist that did artwork for one of Ghost's albums, I believe. Mm. Which is cool. I love Ghost. It's a cool little, little connection there. Also, worth pointing out, the release for this is different this time. So the paper release is going to happen a week before Arena and Magic Online release. So it's allowing more support to LGSs and tabletop players and stuff. So that's cool. Yeah, like I know there are some live streamers and stuff that are like really annoyed about this, that they're like, oh, cool. Am I just like fired or whatever now? Because like this is ruining my viewership and stuff. But like, I'm going to be honest with you, that's kind of a silly argument to make you can buy boosters and then do like seal pools and like play with the commander yeah. decks on stream and stuff on release day instead you're just not playing an arena and i'm pretty sure you're more equipped just to put a webcam up top down and just play some magic yeah but on, t- on top of that as well like in from personal experience and from speaking with a number of other creators unless you're a pretty big creator you are not going to see that much of a bump in stuff just before a set releases even if you get access early um, and yeah. like we used to with the with the creator program stuff that I happened remember, years <laughs> remember ago the creator program yeah no don't <laughs> give me flashbacks um Same. but yeah so honestly i would sooner support the lgs's you know and this is nothing against my creator friends whatsoever you know it's just it's nice just, it's just nice for watsy to acknowledge like brick and mortar stores for the first time in however long because arena's always yeah. had the release beforehand so it's just nice just to see at least for them to try it and just see how it pans out yeah and obviously this as i'm explaining now does mean that watsy can never win because while they go and do something like show support for lgs's people find a problem with it somewhere and somehow so like oh, yeah, you know sure. they can never win but you know <laughs> anyway but moving on from that, we are also going to get Nuka Pena Commander decks. This is going to be somewhat similar to the way that they did the Ikoria ones, where we are going to have five Commander decks for the five different families. So the Brokers are Bant, Cabaretti are Naya, Riveteers are Jund, the Maestros are Grixis, and Obscura are Esper. 
I do have to say that I find it very hilarious that the green, white, and red family are the ones that sound the most Italian. I did not clock on this until you said it before yeah. recording, and now I can't yeah. think it. So thanks for that. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh these these guys are green, white, and red. Oh, there we're going to call them the Cabarettis. Let's go. Like yeah. genius move, Watsi. I guess I. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh, it yeah. is worth pointing out, though, that the MSRP of the Commander decks are going up around 20%, which makes them roughly $50 at MSRP, which you can expect this price at your LGS and etc. Now, I would not be surprised if distributors added a little bit extra on top. Sometimes a bunch of them do that, and it's not very sound of them no. at all to do that. They just see the opportunity and it's like, oh, well, the price went up. It went up by this much and it's actually like you know 25 percent or something you know they, they can do that and it's ultimately the lgs ends up suffering because you know the players will try and like buy it off amazon for a little bit cheaper instead mm-hmm. and then the lgs loses out and you know it, it sucks it sucks distributors you're not listening but if you are you stop suck. that please <laughs> they are probably going to use the fact that there's like a collector booster sampler thing in the commander decks as like their quote unquote reason for increasing it. But mm. realistically, Watsi wanted to find a way to make a 20% price increase look legitimate. And they went, hey, look, we added two cards to your commander deck. 20% increase, please. Yeah. That's not 20% more cards, by the way. Just going to point that out. Just two. That is, in fact, 2% more cards. Yeah. We need 10 times the number of extra cards, Watsi. Or we if put collector booster in there, then then it's justified, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised just because Commander's so no. popular and the churning out product with every set now is just it was going to happen yeah. eventually. I think, unfortunately, so right, yeah, is what it is. And then the final little thing to talk about today is secret layer exclusives are being reprinted. So Stranger Things cards they are now going to be reprinted as characters from Innistrad. Um, we'll throw a link in the show notes for that. They are still the same card and the same effects and everything, <laughs> including the Friends Forever, which is, you know, yeah. it's partner without being called partner so that you can't, like, make ridiculously busted combinations with older yeah. partners and stuff. But they still called it Friends Forever, which is kind of... Weird. <laughs> it's a little too Care Bears for me, I think. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just, That's the issue I've always had with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess it fits in with like the My Little Pony stuff, I suppose, that they did a while back. But that's like, what I was yeah. gonna say. It reminds me of My Little Pony as yeah. well. <laughs> Just to add on, like I'm, I'm absolutely not yucking anyone's yum here. Like if you like the Friends Forever thing, that's that's cool and. More power to it you. It just doesn't I feel just, very innistrady, does it? It just feels very disjointed. Like you're looking at like these like grizzled like Ghostbusters and like vampire slayers and stuff, and you're like, we're friends the, forever. They're, arm, they're <laughs> arm linking for a graveyard and Innistrad skipping around, yeah. frolicking. It's just not yeah. the same, is it? <laughs> yeah, it, it's weird because the mixture of the art and then the friends forever part for me mm. just is like it's like if you were playing Darkest Dungeon, right, and you set a campfire. And then, you know, two of them just went like, what if we smooched? Like, it, it's just, it, it doesn't fit the feel of the whole what thing. What if we kissed like, it's in, just, a, in, a, in a strike graveyard? Yeah. yeah, right? Yeah. Like, ha, I'm only joking. Haha, ha, unless. Haha, ha, unless. Friends forever. Um, but no, it's cool that there's magic versions of these cards now. That's great. Yeah. Uh, you can get them in set boosters, and I believe. And you've got like a one in eight chance of getting them, I believe. Something like that. Um, and I imagine Angelo's really happy because they're in a Strad theme, so they go in his cube. He is indeed. Yep. 
But it's cool that they exist and there's magic versions yeah. and they should be doing this from now on anyway. So hopefully they do. Yeah, for sure. And I know before anyone starts complaining about it, I know The Walking Dead came out before this one, but we will get them eventually. They're, they're going to be doing all of these eventually. That's what they did mention before, unless they're going to go back on the word, you know. <laughs> Can't be too sure about that. But we will probably see like The Walking Dead ones next, I imagine. Because if I'm not mistaken that they had a plan for these ones to be first or something, but then there was like production or something issues and they were swapped around or whatever. So patience and we will get the others. Mm -hmm. But that is it for what happened this week. Emma, have we got any Q&A? Last time you'd be saying that in a while. Mm. Yeah, we've got a couple of questions. So we've got one from Joe Chaney off Twitter. They ask, which treatment for the new competitor triumphs is your favourite? Regular, Skyscraper or Borderless? And which family has intrigued you the most? Skyscraper Mm. is the name for the showcase frame for the set. Yeah. I quite like the Jund one because it's essentially a boxing ring and I keep thinking Jundadome. So I think my favourite ones, I really like the, the Borderless ones because you've got this sort of art that's like it's almost like the family like signet slash crest thing going on which is really nice yeah i think that's quite i think that's a nice touch i really like jetmere's garden the naya one looks really nice i think that's the one that strikes out to me but i really like the borderless Mm. ones just because you've just got this sort of family signet kind of thing it's just a nice touch for luca penna and it's quite it's quite high contrast it's quite symmetrical it's quite clean which is very art deco as well yeah I don't know. Like, I, I said this on Twitter, you know, it's not really... The, this kind of art style and stuff is not really my thing at all. Mm. I'm happy it exists because it is definitely a lot of people's kind of jam. Mm. And, yeah, I, I personally actually think that the, the regular ones are probably my favourites. Just yeah. because they feel most like... This is going to sound so paper boomery of me. But they just <laughs> look most like sort of magic art, I guess. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think all of the others, like the Full Art Basics and the uh, the Showcase versions and all, they are stunning for whoever wants them. But they're just not doing it for me at all. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I do think the, the regular ones are, are my favourites. That's only because they're just not really doing it for me in general, but, you know. Uh, do you have a new Capenna family that has intrigued you? Slash drawn to? Um, yeah, so two of them contain both blue and black and they are intriguing to me the maestros and obscura both look kind of interesting because i'm going to assume that uh, if one of them if one of the families is going to be like spell sort of based or artifact based i'm assuming it's going to be one of them and um, now this is based on like previous biases of like you know say like Esper and that kind of thing, you know, or Grixis and all. They tend to be like the artifacty or spell slingery kind of things or whatever. So like you know. Um but also based on seeing brokers, they seem to be much more counter focused or maybe modified creature focused and that kind of thing. So that's yeah. definitely not really my jam. So you know. How about you? What do you think? I'm just gonna go on purely on the sh- the the shards themselves and not necessarily what they're about. So I quite like mm-hmm. Bant. I've always enjoyed playing Bant cards. Um, yeah. So I'm probably just gonna go with Brokers. Um, apparently they're like the lawyers of New Capenna. So I don't know how I feel about that in terms of flavour. Mm. But the fact the green white blue pairing is a pairing that I enjoy quite a bit. So it's probably yeah. those just on sort of gameplay and design alone, not flavour. Mm. And apparently they believe in some sort of doomsday prophecy as well, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> 
Um, then we have a question from Monsu Light off Twitter. They asked, do you have any book recommendations? No genre in particular, mm. just more something to eat during my commute time. So I'm not much of a reader, mostly because it's just hard for me to maintain my focus when I'm reading. But I have one author that I will just repeatedly recommend ad nauseum until the day I die, and that is Terry Pratchett. If you haven't read or listened to Terry Pratchett novels, do it. The one I would recommend is the one that got me into reading his stuff in the first place, which is Monstrous Regiment. It's one of the books that a lot of people don't recommend because it's not one of the more popular ones. But in my opinion, it is one of the better ones. It is extremely well paced. The story is a classic twist on a story. It's it's very much the kind of Joan of Arc sort of story where it's like, oh, I'm going to like cut my hair and pretend to be a boy in order to yeah. like join the army kind of thing. And things go from there kind of thing. I highly, highly recommend it. It's such a wholesome book as well as an exciting one. So yeah, I definitely recommend Very that. Very wholesome writer. Mm. Yeah, I'm with you on Terry Pratchett. I would recommend Hogfather because it's just really, really funny. Mm. That's another good one. Yeah. Outside of that, Ready Player One's a really good book. If you ignore the films, the, the book is really good. <laughs> it's a book by Ernest Klein. It's about dystopian America, but it's about, uh, it's got a lot of pop culture references. There's a bit of action in there. It's set in like the 80s, 90s, and it's just a really, really good, just like 300 page book, easy to consume, it's easy enough to read. And then lastly, we've got a tweet from Ev the Mage asking, mm-hmm. with what's been confirmed, the new companion will have shard triumphs. Do you think this is a reaction to the popularity of the first bat, or were they planned? I would say they were planned. I think they were planned. Yeah. They designed these sets like two years in advance, so I think they yeah. had the discussion when they were designing the Coria, would be my guess. Yeah, for sure. I would like to think that they do take the things that people react to and say and everything on board. I would imagine that they probably would do that, or at least R&D would do that, I would imagine, because, yeah. like, there's no way, there's no way, I know Gavin Verhey, there's no way that he's going to see, like, a bunch of stuff that people are, like, really hyped about on Twitter and be like, well, I'm just going to ignore that. You know, he has far too much of a love for like making people excited about the game to the level that he is all the time, that there's no way that he's going to do anything less than like take everything that he hears on board. So exactly that that's that's what I'm going by, at least. Yeah, that's what I'm going by. I'm just glad they exist. And there's more symmetrical land bases for Pioneer and modern and stuff like that. You know, it's just good to have a complete cycle. Right. Yeah. Painlands next, please. (laughs) Right. Off to play more Elden Ring. (laughs) <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> See you in a month. Thank you for listening to us here at the BM Cast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Tom Telford, Anthony Burchett, Christopher McCarthy, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Ian Holland, Jeff Eaton, Jonas Khan, Matthew O'Neill, Max Makes Magic, MF Peaches, Mini Maya, Morgan Roberts, Munsu Light, Nicholas Martin, Ozan Kaplaner, Scott Hanch, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Zachary Morrow, and Tim Newman. And at the Stonks tier, we have A Nice Planeswalker, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, Brian A. Madden, Coffee, Everett Brogan, Nerblin, Mickey Paris, Scott Creech, Seamus MC, Simon Grip, Jamie Coyle, and Clyde Anderson. Thank you for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. 
We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.